Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Corner podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jimmy Gasparro, and uh, I'm lucky enough to have a creator with me today that uh, I've actually gotten to work with. Um, they lettered a, a, a six-page comic that I um, I uh, had written, and uh, I'm so excited to talk to them today about all the stuff they've been working on because they're a phenomenal letterer, uh, but not just that, also a writer. And uh, as I'm currently looking at uh, their name on the screen, an enjoyer of cheese, which You're I right. am as well. So we also have that in <laughs> common. But please welcome to the podcast, Rob Jones. Uh, Rob, Hello. How are you doing? Hi, I'm I'm good, man. I'm good. Like I say, obviously, as people are probably quite shocked to hear, I'm British, so you know, and it's <laughs> like five to five to two when we're recording this. So, but um, no, I'm 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 really good. Like I say, it's lovely. It's lovely to actually speak to you. I really enjoyed lettering Barbarian. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, you you know, it's uh, it's a pleasure to kind of like sit with you and actually properly chat rather than just email or Twitter or whichever. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, no, I'm good. <laughs> good. Um, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of your work. I'm a, I, I, one of my kind of, I, I don't know if I call it like a passion project, but I, in in what I do for Comic Book Yeti, I really want to try and highlight, you know, more letterers and have folks talk about lettering more. Um, you know, I did like a series of interviews where I, I kind of ran the same ten to fifteen questions past like, you know, twenty some different letterers. And um, yeah, I was so excited that you were able to work on that six page uh, comic that that we had uh, done a, a while back because it was one of the first things I'd ever, you know, written um, a few, you know, two years ago or three years ago at this point. Uh, and and yeah, but you're not just a letterer. You're also writing your own comics, working on a number of things. Um, and one of the things we're going to talk about. And when this episode goes live, if you're listening to it when it first came out, it'll be September 5th. And uh, you'll be able to go to, to a link in the show notes because uh, Rob, along with Matt Hardy and the rest of the creative team, is working on uh, and kickstarting Thunderchild number two. Um, mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to read Thunderchild number one. It's kind of a take on, I guess, a British, I don't know if it's a warship or like a merchant vessel and like, a you know, kind of in the early days of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. But um, why don't you, we just jump right in and talk about like, how did, like Thunderchild come about and like your involvement in it because you're co-writing it with Matt Hardy, right? I, I am, yeah. Um, Thunderchild was me excitedly messaging Matt at about 11 o'clock in the morning going, Thunderchild comic. And he went, what? And I was like, Thunderchild <laughs> comic. Um, growing up, I used to love listening to, my dad had the vinyl of um, Jeff Wayne's musical version of War of the World. And there's a, oh, song wow. on there called, there's a song on there called Thunderchild, and it's amazing. Absolutely, it's the best song on the, the whole thing. It's brilliant. Thunderchild was an ironclad warship. So in, in the story, uh, Thunderchild is, a, is an ironclad warship, So and it, it's obsolete. Um, basically, the minute, <clears throat> excuse me, the minute they came off the uh, production line, ironclad warships were obsolete. But in the... Is, is mentioned very, very briefly in the book. Uh, but obviously this was kind of taken and run with by Jeff Wayne when he adapted the musical version of War of the Worlds. And, uh, you know, we've got this big 
big kind of rousing song about the Thunderchild. It gets it gets you know spoiler alert. It gets destroyed. It gets like taken out by the Martians. It, it's mentioned in the book. We wanted to basically adapt in a way War of the Worlds without directly adapting War of the Worlds and expand okay. on something within within the story, so we could right. then tell our own story of War of the Worlds and have it fit very neatly into Wells's world. You know what I mean? Like the world he created in that book. Yeah. And the lore and stuff. So that's 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 what we did. Obviously, like I say, a big inspiration for me was the song. But obviously not, none of it's based on the none of it's based on the music or anything like that. It's based around obviously the story like I say uh, the like I said the story of of the Thunderchild. It is it was an obsolete, you know what I mean, um warship that took on tripod like technologically advanced alien invaders you know and obviously yeah we've injected we've injected a lot of like um modern kind of social uh issues and things like that into it because we were looking at things that we were it, it was written during a time where over here in the uk and obviously in america there was the black lives matter movement and people were talking about things like statues and stuff in the uk and like we should defend statues and stuff like that. it's like no we right. shouldn't we shouldn't yeah. have we shouldn't have statues of like slavers like up and things like that, you know. And so it was it was yeah. a chance to be kind of introspective on empire, which is very much what Wells' book is about as well. You know, it's kind of an introspective on empire and things like that. So it was nice to be able to kind of explore those ideas throughout the free issues, like I say, that we we we've, we've done and like I say also have Martian tripods with heat rays blowing things up, you know. So <laughs> Trying to strike a nice balance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not familiar at all, and I, I I'm looking it up right now. But I I'm not familiar at all with like Jeff Wayne's the musical version of really? War of the Worlds. Oh, I'm no, I'm not. But I'm, I'm 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 looking it up right now, and I, as soon as we're done recording, <laughs> I'm gonna mean, I'm gonna check it I, out because I pulled up the lyrics to the Thunder Child lyrics, and uh, I love it. I the invaders must have seen them as across yeah. the coast they fled. Oh, the uh, across the coast filed. they filed, standing firm yep. between them. There lay Thunderchild. Oh, That's right. <laughs> there is a there is an amazing guitar solo in that song as well. And oh. if you listen, you should listen to um, Forever Autumn as well. I, I can't. I think on the track listing that comes before Thunderchild, because like I said, the whole thing. Um, I know it's been, it's been I'm not talking much comics. We're talking Jeff Wayne, but um, it's all right. We'll we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the the big thing with um with that adaptation is it's narrated. Now originally it was Richard Burton who narrated yeah. it, but it's okay. been updated, and it's now Liam Neeson who's narrating it all and and things like that. I can't remember the people who because there's there's like I said there's characters that the, the main characters from the book kind of appear throughout it and stuff. Um, incredible they do live shows of it they go around they've got a hologram of liam neeson um they've got like tripods on stage firing hero and all sorts like it, it incredible oh, wow. absolutely incredible well, forever autumn's a beautiful beautiful song because it's about obviously like i say the the martians attack and like i said they're attacking it like obviously the whole story is set in in um great britain and obviously at the time it was written Britain was a waning empire. So we, you know what I mean? Like we were start, the empire was kind of start slowly starting to kind of crumble. And things like that. obviously it took another like 40, 50 years for it to happen, but it slowly started to kind of unravel. 
And so, like I say, you've got this this powerhouse that is suddenly attacked by a more superior kind of kind of army and things like that. So it was a really right. interesting, really interesting kind of look at that. And um, but Forever Autumn, like I said, I, I, I digress. Forever Autumn, beautiful song about like loss and things like that. Really, really good. Like I said, the whole whole thing's incredible. Oh, I'm gonna you have to listen mean? to Absolutely it. Incredible I- I feel like in terms of like uh, popularity over in 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 Britain, um, although certainly like audio dramas and radio plays had their day here in America, I feel like they really, you know, well before podcasts, obviously, continue to catch on. Like I'm more familiar with like the um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Like there's a, yeah. a you know like an audio drama. Like Doctor Who still does. I think like you know, audio style. Oh yeah. They, they but, still do. They still do that. Um, I mean, Orson yeah, Wells did it. Orson Wells did a audio reading of war of the worlds and caused a panic. Oh yeah. You know what yeah I mean? sure. He did that. Uh, I think he was in New York. Uh, I think he was in New York. It genuinely caused a panic. Cause people were like, Oh shit. Oh, can I yeah. swear? <laughs> like, oh, oh, crap. Oh, I swear. You're fine. Yeah. I think that was what? 1937 or 38 in the, Something but, uh, like that. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to check out the musical version that Jeff Wayne, I have not, I'm not familiar with it. So that's, that's exciting. Um, you are but in <laughs> I can't wait. I'll let you know what I think of it. Uh, you know, once you're, because you know, this is like, technically, I think we're going to call these like Yeti after dark. Whenever I, uh, um, interview someone over, uh, you know, in, uh, in, in England <laughs> where, cause it's like two in the morning where you are now. Um, but look, to get back to the first issue, uh, rounding out the creative team, artwork by Kevin Castaniero. Hopefully I'm That's saying right, Kevin's yeah. last name right. Um, folks might be familiar with uh, his work from Grit, which is a great comic that he worked on. And color it, it's colored by um, Simon Gow and yep. Fred McNamara edited. Um, That's and right. uh, yeah, I, it's I really like. how you talk about taking something that's kind of on the the fringes of war of the worlds and being able to use that and then develop your own story from it. And I really liked how character driven it was. Um, the, the alien invasion comes late in the first issue. I, I like really, you know, for the most part it's, and it, it is kind of on the outskirts of this, you know, the, the little bit of a clash of personalities. You have the, the female captain who's taken over from her husband. Um, uh, you, you have like the, 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 the sergeant, I think he's a sergeant is his rank. Major, major, major. major, major yeah, who, yeah. Yeah. Who's, who's there. Um, and you, you really have like a character piece uh, uh, amongst like the very early goings on of the invasion. And uh, I, I mean, I think it, I was fascinated by it. Um, yeah. It was so good. Thank you. I mean, like the, the, the kind of consensus for issue one was it was meant to be about kind of dread. So, like, if I had to describe it in one word, it would be dread. So, the way they're kind of talking to one another, obviously, it starts off with their within the book. Because, like I said, the book's out. We we kick, issue one uh, was kickstarted last year. Um, right. We took something like ten or ten or eleven thousand pounds. You know what I mean? We had about five six hundred backers. It did really really well. Um, but um, yeah, so it starts out obviously they're observing Mars, 
And you can, like I say, I, I won't go too deep into everything. They're observing Mars and they're talking about the explosions on Mars. And obviously, they're kind of ridiculing Captain McDonald because she's saying, well, I don't know how they kind of cross the Gulf of Space, you know, and, and, and just kind of like setting up the dread of the whole thing because people who know Wells's story, you know what I mean, and obviously have, have listened to like the musical as well, know that the fate of the Thunder Child is not a happy one. You right. know, and so we're trying to set this up with like, like you say, kind of conflicting characters and how they'd all kind of approach the situation. You know, you've got a woman in charge of the of, of the ship. She's in charge because her husband passed away. Um, and the crew trust her implicitly because she was always by his side. You know, and so they're kind of coming back to coming back to port and stuff to be given new orders. And obviously, um, you've got the major who's like prim and proper and very much a product of the empire that a product of, 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 like I say, um, privilege, you know what I mean? And, and, and class. Sure. And then you've got, you've got the youngs, uh, Simon and Miriam who are, um, like I say there, Miriam's quite, uh, forward for the time, I think, but we didn't want, you know what I mean? Like we wanted someone who, like I say, we didn't want to just kind of write her into a corner. Effectively, so Simon's a Simon's a, a a scientist, and and Miriam's a journalist. She writes, she writes, and she writes, like I say, journal pieces, uh, journalist pieces. And so we wanted to kind of have all these kind of conflicting points of view, kind of stuck together, dealing with everything that they're going to deal with. And like I say, issue one, very much about dread, and uh, a very much kind of a character, kind of a character study throughout it. Issue two would be uh if i had to describe that in one word it would be madness oh all right issue two is um well like you say kind of towards the end of issue one is when the like say they they're, they're made aware of the invade everything that's happening you know and obviously kevin kevin and simon with their artwork did, did an incredible incredible job as a there's a double page spread i think it is of the, the thunder child kind of coming upon south end on sea and it's ablaze entirely, and there's like a mist and a fog. You know what I mean? And it's mist and fog and smoke, and they don't understand kind of what's going on. Uh, but issue two very much ramps up things like the action within. Um, Kevin's pages for that are incredible. Uh, he's done an amazing wraparound cover for oh, nice. the second issue as well. Uh, we did a wraparound cover for the first issue as well. That was a stretch goal. Um, and he's done another one this time, and Simon's coloured it, and it's it's beautiful. Again, and it's just to kind of show like the the kind of like I said, the madness of everything that goes on. So madness could relate to things like the action that happens. Madness could be related to the decisions that are made. You know what I mean by people maybe higher up in like military command and, and things like that. So that's the kind of thing we're going we're going for and number three is just like say it's kind of like finality i think i would describe number three as if i had to pick a single word but i don't want to talk too much about number three <laughs> because yeah. like I say, that's that's coming but um kevin has been like I say incredible artist like i say Ked, absolutely brilliant from the get-go with his designs you know what i mean he came back with his designs from from reading the script and our kind of like character descriptions for um Captain McDonald, Silas, the first mate, um, Major Makepeace, and like the uh, and and the Youngs, and, and Captain Barber as well, who's the captain of. We made up the ship, 
called the uh, the Lightning Warrior, like a sister a sister ship to the Thunderchild. Right. And that's staffed by um, ex Royal Indian Navy uh, crewmen and stuff as well. So, like I say, we've we've kind of tried to be a bit more, I suppose, inclusive rather than of what would be like kind of um what's the word typical of the time period i guess but again right. it just opens up all these avenues so yeah i mean everything felt uh, i mean reading it I, nothing felt like anachronistic like out of time for the mm-hmm. story but it did also at the same time feel um feel very very modern um in okay. terms of the sense of some of the characters <clears throat> I, I mean i think ca- the captain is was probably my favorite um there are a couple of and just to talk about Kevin's art and I know you you did a little bit but there there are a couple of moments and especially because I mean it's really you really don't start to see what's happening and what the thunderchild is going into into like two thirds through that first issue and when it starts to happen it's very slow and the paneling does kind of give the sense of like a boat like creeping up into the scene and there's just a couple of like really nice moments where the 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 script I think is is working really well with what you're seeing visually. There's like a nice, especially there's a nice moment between between the youngs um, when they really see what it is they're 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 coming up on, and it's done. To- there's no words. It's all done with the visuals, um, and it's it it's very like moody at times. I don't mean that like in a bad way. Like it's very like atmospheric as to like what is taking place. And I think that adds to that, like that sense of that sense of dread and especially Simon's colors. Once we start getting into what is taking place and it's um, you know, it's, it's a, a lot of, fire let's say and and a lot of smoke and it it just it works like it really really well um really the transition great first issue the transition from where it's very bright especially during kind of the the, the middle section and then to transition from from that when it's it, it, you know very bright to this kind of almost like say scorched guy scorched you know ash filled sky and things like that right the way simon does that with his colors it beautiful like i say it really knocked us knocked us for six we couldn't you know what i mean like we we couldn't have asked for a better pair you know what i mean like a bit of people to work with kevin was our first choice of artist you know what i mean and he he's knocked everything out of the park with it you know which which has been fantastic and he's he spoke about simon simon does a lot of stuff with uh idw and 2000 ad and stuff, I believe, as as well. He works a lot with uh, Chris Tabari as well on okay. things too. So, like I said, they're doing something for Top Cow, I believe, as well. So, like I said, we're, we're, we're really, really lucky. I think Kevin's done something recently with Mad Cave, actually. I think, is it cancelled? I believe it is. Yeah. Believe, yeah, yeah, Kevin's been drawing that. It's brilliant. Like I say, such a great artist. Matt yeah. and I are really lucky. You know what I mean? Like, Matt writes a lot more than I do. I used to be quite a prolific writer. Um, and I kind of segued into lettering, you know, and because uh, and now lettering pays the bills and stuff. So <laughs> which, is, which is a nice thing, but it's nice to kind of knock knock the dust off the keyboard, you know what I mean? Like the writing keyboard, so I can sit there, you know what I mean, yeah. and, and keep going and stuff. And it's a bit of story that's been in my head or, or in, in some way, shape, or form for about 30 years. 
You know what I mean? From when I was a kid and like imagining what could have happened with like the, the you know, from, like I said, from the song. And so it's yeah. really nice to kind of have been able to kind of put pen to paper, I suppose. And, and 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 get to this, so. All right, fellow cryptids, now seems like a good time for a break. I'm always looking for a way to display my comics, but unfortunately, I am not very handy or crafty, as it were. Luckily, I have come across Crafty Comics, and they have a way for you to display your comics, even uh, comic books that are already slabbed, if that's your kind of thing. I recently got a flex frame, which has customizable backings and interchangeable border colors. I was able to put in a frame, a comic book. It's Batman Elmer Fudd, uh, number one by Tom King, Lee Weeks. It's signed by both. It's one of my uh, favorite signed comics that I got at Baltimore Comic-Con. And I was able to figure it all out. It looks great in the frame. And I can't wait to get it up on the wall. It was super easy. And I have a slew of comic books now. And uh, much to my wife's chagrin, I think I'm going to create a wall of some of my favorite signed comic books. Um, And Crafty Comics was super easy to use. And I like that you can have a different border color along the background to kind of go along with the theme of the cover art. And yeah, it was it's great. And uh, I absolutely love it. So check it out. It's Crafty Comics, C-R-A-F-T-I-C-O-M-I-C-S.com. Use the discount code YETI5 and get 5% off your order. And now, back to the Cryptid Creator Corner. Well, I, I, really, I really like to see, you know, creators who are kind of taking something that they've held on to for a long time, you know, like to have an idea and then to, to make that that thing happen. I mean, because you've done, you, you've lettered a lot of different books and to be yeah. able to come and revisit and say, Hey, I've had this story idea for a long time. And I really think it's something. And, you know, what are you starting with? The the tiny little nugget of the thunder child and, you know, a, a, a piece of a section of something else. And you you've now created this whole other story, this other world that kind of fits in to, you know, the legacy of uh, War of the Worlds and is still a, a modern take on it. You're not just, you know, I'm not just retelling chapter one and we're making it visual. You know, we're not adapting War of the Worlds. We're taking a piece from it and telling our our, our own little story about the people that were, were on this. And you're doing something that still kind of has something to that's relevant to right now. And and it's a kick-ass comic. Like, that's the other great part. Like, it's really fun. It's not dry. It's not boring. It's, like, very exciting. And, uh, yeah, I just think I just think that's, you know, that's awesome. Thank you. You know what I mean? Like I say, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I, I really enjoy co-writing with, uh, with Matt. Uh, we worked together on a one-shot that we did, which was called Hell in Stalingrad. Um, and it was an 80 page kind of one and done thing. So over here in the UK, I don't know how, um, familiar people are with it in America. There's a, there's a comic book called Commando. Now Commando has been going for probably about 60, maybe 70 years. Um, it's still going, it's a, it's a war comic. It's like a war stories comic. Mm -hmm. Um, two panels a page. And, um, yeah, two panels a page, and it tells tells war stories. 
Matt and I really wanted to do our own kind of spin on that. We, we've, I'd lettered for, you know, for Matt for a lot of things, and we kept threatening one another with working together. And then we did it. You know, what I mean? so it was like, oh, we should work together. Like, oh, and so, but but it happened, and we did that, and that did, you know, that did well, and we enjoyed the process. So, like I say, we kind of stuck our heads together to do to do Thunderchild. So, but having that single nugget, like I said, of me messaging him at like eleven o'clock in the morning, just going Thunderchild comic, and then from that. <laughs> Being able to kind of have these fully fleshed characters, you know, fully fleshed out characters with their own agendas, yeah. you know what I mean, and their own kind of viewpoints on the world, you know, and be able to kind of in- insert that into the story. So it reads as its own standalone thing, but also fits in narratively with everything else that 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 happens within, the, like I say, within within the within the War of the World story. That's that's like I say what we wanted. I'm really glad that's kind of come across, you know what I mean? And I really hope kind of, like I said, when people get around to, you know, when issue two comes out, uh, we're really, like I said, we're really excited for uh, to see people's reactions. You know, we, we don't pull our punches in it either. It's, it, like I say, it's, it gets pretty hairy, you know? <laughs> so, like I say, that, that's, it's just, it's just nice to know that it can be, that, like I said, that can be um, construed from that. Right. Oh yeah, and I I think I saw that um uh you know you had sent me the you know the the pre-launch um link and I was checking it out but um I mean I think it already has like you know 229 followers which you know oh, a few huh. weeks a few weeks before the campaign that's yeah. I, that's great I think so and by the time folks are listening to this you'll be able to click on the link and and should be able to either notified you know get notified for when it launches or um you know actually back the book um yeah and yeah if you haven't if you if you haven't gotten wise to it yet i definitely back it i'm sure they're going to have a catch-up tier where you can get issues one and two um i I just saw on twitter i think that you have a gustavo vargas so right you do indeed yeah that's pretty cool we we have gustavo vargas obviously he's just done um marvel uh marvel x-men uh, story. He's done some stuff with Dan Abnett as well. Obviously, mm-hmm. Dan Abnett, um, for those who don't know, used to write Guardians of the Galaxy with Andy Lanning. And obviously, he does a lot of the Warhammer 40,000 books. Obviously, the best Warhammer 40,000 books, in my opinion, <laughs> um, and stuff. And then um, we've also got Lyndon White doing a cover. Now, Lyndon is the letterer for a book called Antarctica, which is out through Top Cow, written by um, a man named Simon Burks. Um, but Lyndon also does artwork himself. He's done a book called uh, Candles. He's done covers for Antarctica as well, like I say. And he did one of the things that we offered on the first one, on the on the first Kickstarter, and what we're going to do, I believe, with this one as well, is a concertina, the, a concertina comic that Lyndon produced of War of the Worlds. Oh, which wow. Which is really cool. And like I say, so obviously it, Lyndon was really like happy to kind of be involved with that as well because obviously it's a passion of his to... We're really, like I say, Matt and I are really lucky that we get to work with like so many incredible artists who can take the nonsense that drips out of our head onto, you know what I mean, onto, uh, drips out of your head onto the keyboard and right. stuff, and that they, they they can turn it into something that is is coherent and 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 lovely, you know what I mean, right. like great, and engaging. So, yeah, we're really lucky, like I say, to be working with people like that. That's awesome. Um, and I saw, uh, I guess the 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 trade just came out. Um not that long ago for uh, an image comic Hitomi, 
is by HS yep. Tack and I think illustrated by Isabella Mazzanti. And I think you lettered all of that, right? I did indeed, yeah. Uh that was that was a fantastic book to work on. Like I say, that's uh that's out through Chris Ryle's uh Syzygy. I think I'm saying that right, Syzygy. Uh yeah, imprint over like, image. Right. Awesome. And uh, stuff you know, that that's a that's out everywhere. Like I said, the trade's out um in October. Again, I don't know how how popular this this is over in America, but um there's like a I want to say young adult. I think it's kind of young adult book called um or, or series of books called Skullduggery Pleasant, which are kind of um horror aimed at like teenagers and stuff like that, written by a gent named Derek Landy. Uh, he's written for Marvel and things as well as Derek. He's written things like uh, Avengers and stuff like that. But this series, they're a series of novels, and they've just done the first ever graphic novel of it. It's been drawn. Uh, it's been drawn by PJ Holden. Um, oh, awesome! Colors, colors are by Matt Soth, who does a lot of stuff for 2000 AD. Um, and like I said, that's coming out through HarperCollins in October time, which is going to be which is going to be wicked. So. That'll be available places as well. I know it's available for pre-order now on places like Amazon or, um, again, I'm a bit rubbish when it comes to American websites. Things like um, over here, over here in the UK, we have Forbidden Planet, which kind yeah. of kind of encompasses the whole whole kind of country in in, in a way. There's stuff so you can order that there. That's fantastic. It's uh, like I say, it's really cool to kind of be involved with that as well. That's a full graphic novel. Um, there's a bundle. There's other stuff I can't. I'm not allowed to talk about. <laughs> right. Uh, under contract. Yeah, I'm not always. Uh, I'm I'm always like on the lookout, like on you know Twitter or when I see like preview stuff. Um, I it, it still drives me nuts when they don't put letters like on the covers or when they don't like put in the previews like <laughs> who's the letterer because I, I I like you know I like to know. Um, and uh, but I'm always on the lookout for something that you've you lettered or what it is you're you're working oh, on you. because. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, um, you know, I haven't been doing this very long. I mean, this is, I mean, this is probably close to the 80th episode of the podcast I recorded in the past like year and a half that we've been doing it. But I've been, you know, working with Comic Book Yeti for almost, I guess, uh, two to three years now. But, um, you know, getting into com, going from like just following things on Twitter to actually starting to try and make some short comics, and you know, I. I the type that if I work with somebody and I like the work that they do, I like to see like what it is they're still doing and, you know, you know, back their stuff and check it out and talk to them, talk to them again and say, you know, Hey, this is pretty cool. Uh, you know, um, it's quite funny. You mentioned it. Cause like I said, I know you, I know you, you, you've written for comic book Getty and obviously this is fantastic. If you know, in a year and a half, 80, 80 different kind of creators you've spotlighted and like I said, the podcast, that's fantastic. I actually yeah. started out in a similar way. I used to write about comics. Oh, I started out. I was really kind of a late, I suppose, a late bloomer when it comes to comics. I didn't start reading them until I was, I'm 38 now. And I think I was about 20, 27 when I first started reading comics properly. Mm-hmm. Growing up, we, we, you know what I mean? I was always aware of, of comics and stuff like that. But like living in the UK, um, where I grew up, there weren't really kind of any dedicated comic book shops. You go into like uh, for people who may know me or see me on like like social media. I'm a big Warhammer forty thousand fan. I very much like painting little toy soldiers and everything else and playing with them on a battle, you know, on a, on a, on a tabletop and stuff. And I used sure. to do that when I was about thirteen. And there was a shop I remember. 
that used to have a comics a, a single comic spinner rack. And you'd see things like um Witchblade and stuff and uh, things like that. Like obviously uh, you know, like early nineties image titles. Right. But that was kind of where I was aware of them. But I never really got into them until I was like in my late twenties. And I started writing about being a man in his late twenties trying to understand how comics work. I used to write for a site called Intercomics. Uh, they were actually a comic book shop, but okay. they did. They had a whole kind of blog blog section and stuff like that. I used to write about that, um, and I'd get people to vote on Twitter what I should read. So I'd pick a series of like trades that I wanted to get, and I'd I'd share that on Twitter, and I kind of got people engaging with me uh, and stuff. And um, that kind of led me to writing a really short intro as if it was like a, a, a Constantine script. So you've got John Constantine, you know, sorry, a Hellblazer, and you've got John Constantine, yeah. and he goes into this bar, and he has a fight with someone and lights a cigarette and, you know, kicks the jukebox on, and you know what I mean? And, like, the clash comes on or, or something like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> and people were like, yeah, yeah, what issue is that from? Like, no, I wrote it. And people were like, no, no, just seriously, what issue is that? You know what I mean? Like, what, what issue is that from? I was like, no, I wrote it, you know? And so I was like, if I can write this, I can write comics. And then that kind of like, that's it then. Ten years later, now it's my job, you know, <laughs> and, and stuff. It pays the bills and, and everything. So, wow. it's well, like saying... Sorry, go Now, I, I was just going to say that's almost like a, a kind of like a perfect, you know, segue into, you know, I, I, I'm not, I, uh, I don't begrudge anybody when they got into comics. I don't care if you've been reading them since you were seven. Or yesterday was, you know, or this morning was the first comic you picked up, right? Like it's, uh, there's no rules, right? You like comics, you like comics. But mm -hmm. it is interesting when you, you come to them late and you kind of start out doing that. Like, so I understand like starting to write and then, but how did you kind of get into lettering where, you know, you're, that's your job? What, what was that well, turn? And how long <coughs> of a journey was that? It's been so when I when I first I started out writing shorts. So like like yourself with things like Barbarian yeah. and, and and stuff, I wrote some yeah. shorts and um, found some artists to work with. It was great because I got the card, you know, I got the pages back. I was like, oh, amazing! These look so good. <laughs> what what do I do next? Yeah, and it's like oh shit, I need a letterer. I can't afford a letterer. And so I was like, I'll letter them. I'll do it. How hard can it be? And it was really hard. <laughs> and I kept practicing though. But I kept like the fact is I kept practicing. I talked to people. Um Colin Bell, he's a uh, Scottish letterer. Um well, he's an occasional letterer now. I believe he he does coding and things now, but he he did a lot of stuff. He gave me a lot of tips. Um as I was starting out, he was really helpful. Uh I searched out things like Blambot's uh, you know, better letterer guide that he used to sure. have up before obviously yeah. the uh before the book which is, uh... sat, sat right next to me. Uh, Nate, Nate, Nate Pegasus stuff is fantastic. You know, uh, Jim Campbell has a great lettering blog as well. And he talks about, obviously, he has a lettering yeah. guide there. And I searched that out and I kind of sat, I got, got hold of like, uh, uh, signed up for Illustrator. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. I sat down and I was like, right, I'm going to figure this out. And it was a hobby. And it was a hobby that, I started to really enjoy it. And then people started asking me to letter their stuff. 
and they'd pay me to do it. And it was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so it was like, and it got to the point where, um, what is it now? Two, three years ago, two years ago. How long am I going to do this? This is the start of my third year. So okay. two and a bit years ago. Um, I kind of I was talking to my uh, my fiance and we were we were chatting and we were saying um, you know I did, I really hated my job you know what I mean that was that was the the pandemic had done that because my job was kind of I was uh, I used to support adults with learning disabilities and mental health problems that was my full time job okay and obviously during the pandemic it was really tough I spent five full days and nights at work you know what i mean and stuff at times because of obviously staffing shortages things like that yeah and i wanted out of it i, I, I was kind of burnt i was entirely burnt out i was i, I was i was done you know what i mean i wasn't i wasn't being a good support worker because my heart wasn't in it anymore and i was looking at my lettering jobs that i was doing because obviously i i I'd let her around like days off and, and, and things like that. And talking to my partner going, well, if I can make the same money that I'm on doing that job where I, you know what I mean? Doing this, should I do it? And she was just like, you, you'd be daft not to even try. You know what I mean? Like, like the fact is if you, if you yeah. fail, you fail, but at least you can say you try. Yeah. And like I said, that was Frank, you know, two and a half years late, uh, you know, two, two and a half years ago. And here I am now. I'm still doing, I'm, I'm incredibly thankful every day that this is, that this is my job, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm in an incredibly lucky position. You know what I mean? That I get to, I get to wake mm -hmm. up in the morning. And I'm like, I get to letter comics today. Yeah. Some days it's a pain. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause you're like, Oh God, more edits. Oh no, I've got to pick out spot colors for print. Oh God. You know what I mean? <laughs> But then other times it's a case of uh, mostly, you know, like 99% of the time, it's like, this is my job. Right. You know what I mean? Like taking stock and going, this, this is fantastic. So, but yeah, that was, the, that was the big push. It was like, do I carry on trying to trudge doing this, you know, this job that I was doing for yeah. just above UK minimum wage? Or do I try my hand at being a letterer and, and, and just doing it? Right, and I just dumped right in, and I haven't looked back. Wow. Yeah, so. Well, I'm gonna. I know I said something earlier, but I'll, I'll I'll give my own Rob Jones for the listeners and anyone's listening who's thinking about making comics or who wants to get into it or who listens to the creator, you know, Cryptid Creator Corner because they like to hear how folks got into making comics. I'll, I'll give my own Rob Jones testimonial because I think it was like the <laughs> third short comic I had ever written, and um, I saw just you know follow Rob on Twitter, followed Rob on Twitter reached out to Rob, sent him the script and uh, Raymond, who was the artist. Um, uh, once the, the pages were done as a black and white comic, six pages, sent it to Rob. And um, I was shocked at how fast it was done and at <laughs> how good it was. Not that I didn't think Rob's work was good, but like I, you know, I didn't know if, if I if if there'd be notes I'd have to give or it, it it just surpassed any expectation with very little communication as to what I thought the lettering should look like as someone who's not a letterer but a reader of comics and with the script and the artwork, um, it was done in a fantastic font style. 
It read great on the page. It had a wonderful flow to it. Um, I, I, I could not have asked for uh, a better collaborator for that, like for one of the very first short comics I did, than, than Raymond uh, on art and then you as the letterer. It, it just, it ruined me for future collaborators. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my Rob that's Jones testimonial. Uh, I guess my Rob Jones commercial. Uh, for oh, yeah, no, man. I like I say I appreciate it. It's you know, I mean, like I try and think about the fact that obviously I do get quite a few people who is like, oh, this is my first comic, you know, and like be brutal. And it's like, why would I be brutal? Like, like, the, and like the, the way I kind of try and approach things is obviously I like to put my kind of stamp on it but i want to deliver the pages that you've had envisioned in your head before sure. like anything ever started like the big the big thing is like i know because i i've been on the other end where i've written stuff i mean i letter all my own work i'm my i'm my harshest critic you know what i mean i'll sit there and go no that doesn't work no, I'll fix that. you know what i mean everything else but um when it comes to comes to delivering like a final page to someone when you've gone through getting that idea out of your head and like onto the page and then passed it to you know you've entrusted it to an artist who then you guys you know what i mean like you guys have worked together and you, you've kind of gelled and, and and created all that and then it you know what i mean like with barbarian it was it was black and white but obviously they'll then maybe go to a colorist and stuff you know what i mean and, and, and things like that and being that person that gets to put like the final cherry you know what i mean on top yeah it I'm I'm in a very privileged position to be able to do that, and I always want to make sure I deliver like something that that really kind of like like I say it it ties the bow in a yeah. way, you know what I mean? It pulls everything together. So I'm really glad, like I say, I'm really glad that that happened. Obviously, like I say with with Barbarian, you know what I mean, and stuff. And obviously, it's the approach I try to take with all the comics I letter. You know, is obviously tie it together, bring it bring it all together, bring it. You know what I mean? Let's bring it home and bring it home nicely and 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 safely. So yeah, yeah, man. I like to say, very much appreciated. Yeah, I um, yeah, I'm. You know, uh, I like. I wanted to talk to you. I was, you know, I, I every once in a while, if my schedule is work, you know, I'll uh, is light. I'll throw something out there on on Twitter, and folks respond. And I, you know, I was glad that you know we're able to connect and talk about this. And then, yeah. especially, uh, you know, I try and back a lot of stuff on Kickstarter. Some things I miss. I, I didn't. You know, I, I'm I'm a Miss Thunderchild when it first came around, but I'm I'm all in now, so I cannot wait. It was such. I, I won't a, hold it against you. <laughs> no, it was. I mean, I, I I'm one man. I can only do yeah, so exactly. much. But exactly. I uh, I love the first issue. Um, and I Thank think you, you said it earlier. Dread is a good way to to sum it up. But it's just a it's a really great idea, and it's a really great story. Um, and I I can't wait to go and um check out the uh the musical version the 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 oh. jeff wayne stuff i'm so excited to go and listen to this now so i'm i'm really jealous of the fact that you get to listen to it for the first time tonight <laughs> now oh you know what i mean like because obviously like i say i can't remember the first time i properly listened to it i just have the memory of it always kind of being there sure and stuff so i'm i'm, I'm genuinely very jealous because <laughs> yeah like i say go into Go into the, the listening to Thunderchild. Like I say, you've just you've just read that. You've just you, you've read issue one. Yep. Yes. 
issue two is gonna like I say there's a lot kind of going on, but like that this is how the this is the culmination of the story, basically. This is the that's the way to think about it. It's the culmination of everything. And like I say, there's just a badass solo in it as well. Absolutely fantastic. So <laughs> Well, I'm excited. Um well I look, it's like I don't know. It's approaching three in the morning where you are. I oh, yeah, for yeah. listeners, listeners, I I must have asked Rob fifteen different times if he wanted <laughs> to schedule this at a different time, and he said, "No, let's let's talk, let's chat." It worked, so, well, it worked. Like I said, it was it was about working to your your schedule. You know what I mean? I wanted to make sure I could kind of work to your schedule. Admittedly, well, it was poor planning on my part because I'm going to be up at seven a.m. I'm up in four hours, so that's fine. But that's on my that's my fault. All right. You know well. What I mean? so, well <laughs> We'll we'll uh we'll call it a night there, listeners. But um, Thunder Child number two, Thunder Child issue number two. It's going to be on Kickstarter early September. It's fantastic yeah. creative team. But check out Hitomi, uh, Image Comic Book that Rob lettered. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of stuff coming out in October. Uh, that Rob's going to have lettered, and I'll put links in in all the show notes for the stuff that Rob is going to be working on. But especially. Thunderchild number two, especially if you're fans of H.G. Wells, of the War of the Worlds, of, you know, science fiction books that were written in and around that time. They're all going to have a, a same similar uh, sense to them. But, uh, yeah, this is going to be a, a great comic. And especially if you're not familiar with everyone's work on this creative team, it's going to lead you to grit and lead you to canceled and lead you to other stuff that Rob and Matt have been involved in. So, um, yeah, this is uh, Rob. I'm just, I'm so glad that you you decided to you know you were able to get on and chat with me. Um, exactly. So happy. I've wanted to for a while, man. You know what I mean. I'd I'd be remiss if I don't give Matt Hardy a proper little shout out and the thing that the, the things that he writes. Matt runs a, a group called Mad Robot Comics, but he's also written for obviously the now defunct Heavy Metal. Um, he does a story in that called Cyberarchy with Clark Bint. As well, Clark's an incredible artist. He actually did one of the covers for Hitomi. Um, he's, been, he's done a Blade Runner cover recently as well as Clark. You know what I mean? I, um, Matt's a, an amazing, amazing writer and friend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, like I say, we wouldn't have fun to chart if it wasn't for him kind of like, say, kind of wrangling me a bit. You know what I mean? I was just like, we do this. And he's like, okay. And he's like, well, come on then, give you some direction. So, <laughs> so you know what I mean? So, yeah, Matt's fantastic guy. Like I say, so I'd be remiss if I didn't do that. But no, thank you very much for having me, Jimmy. It's been very much, you know what I mean. It's been really lovely to kind of just sit and chat. Yeah, and I, um, I, I, you know what? I, I'm hope maybe I'll be inspired by, uh, by listening to Thunderchild to come up with some other little short in, you know, in right. that world because I got to get you to letter. I got to <laughs> write something else, and you know, we got to work together again. No, so man, it's, you, you, it's time. Look for inspiration wherever it comes. You know what I mean? That's, that's, right. that's, that's the thing. So, you know, just enjoy it. Just sit back. It's like five minutes long. Just sit back, chill. Be like the old THX uh, advert. You know what I mean? Have a glass, <laughs> yeah. glass of yeah. bourbon. And just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, let the uh, let the sound waves just blast me back. Right. Um, yeah. Like, uh, well, ray. <laughs> Rob, I really appreciate it. Um, uh, I really appreciate you coming on. So for Comic Book Yeti's Cryptic Creator Corner, uh, I'm Jimmy Gasparro. Uh, my guest today has been Rob Jones. Uh, please check out Thunder Child number two. Rate, review the podcast if, if you like it. Say nice things about us and all the other things that um, better podcast hosts than me ask you to do. And um, yeah, 
uh, as always, shout out to my brother Bobby, the Cryptic Creator Corner's number one most dedicated listener. Listens to all my episodes, and he tells me what I what I do wrong. So thanks, Bob. We appreciate it. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Um, uh, good night, Rob, or good morning, and uh, to the listeners. I'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. See you later. <laughs> This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now